This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Uh, yeah, this is the Talking Tactics Podcast. What's going on, everybody? My name is Daniel. My name is Halfo Double H. We do this podcast every Tuesday. Remember to follow us on social media. Twitter is the main one. If you're on Spotify, remember to follow us over there. We appreciate that. If you're on Apple Podcasts, remember to subscribe. It's free. And you can leave us a five-star review. We did get one within the past couple weeks, so I want to read this one. This is from Stephen Shea. It's called Monkey Business, Episode 158. Um, It says, thanks for the heartfelt and deep discussion on today's podcast regarding racism in football and society and the history of racism and the clarifying examples, for for example, John Terry, that drive home the extent and possible reasons for racism, for example, education um, on history, ignoring contributions from Africa, etc., and the different perspectives on what to do, for example, John Barnes in his pajamas versus the recent Raheem Sterling approach. I feel privileged to listen to your discussion and learned a huge amount. Cheers, Steve. So thank you for that review. Steve. Thanks, bro. Thanks. Yeah. So if Rac- you, <laughs> there might be a slight racism segment in this show. Shout out, yeah, yeah. Shout out Bernardo. So yeah, um, <laughs> but yeah, thank you uh, for the five-star review. And if you want to help the show out monetarily, remember we do have a Patreon page where you can pledge an amount, $1 or $3. Talking Tactics Extra, which we record 30 to 40 minutes for you guys, and we kind of just talk about what you guys want us to talk about. So get involved, look up the tiers. I might just get rid of the $1 tier and just we just have a $3 tier. I feel like that makes more sense. So, well, I don't know if it's necessarily... It is. It, it was the marquee game of the week. I was thinking, you know, there was um, the Milan Derby and yeah, Sevilla Real Madrid, but the, mar- the marquee match of the week was Chelsea against Liverpool. Um, so let's start there. I projected a 4-2 game, like Liverpool would win 4-2. I was ambitious. I was like, Chelsea can't defend at all, and the way that they play, they might score a couple. So, you know, 4-2. It ended up being 2-1 in Liverpool's favor, so at least I got that part right. But even still, Chelsea can't defend. So you watched the game and you thought what? Um, Not surprised. When the game went through similar as in the Super Bowl, but I think as much as you say that um, – Chelsea couldn't do, do defend. Yeah, so that's tomorrow did an amazing job on Salah. 
And I think for a guy so young, he is pretty a pretty damn solid de- defender. But I just thought it was just one of those games in which, um, similar to the Super Cup game, Liverpool just put away the chances that they needed to. They were far more clinical. Chelsea caused Liverpool issues. But at the end of the, the day, you have to put the ball in the, in the net. You can't just be like, oh my gosh, we have so many chances. We're trying to make chances. The chances were there, they, they didn't win. So at the end of the day, the key thing is Liverpool didn't play well, they won. And that is always a very, very vital thing to have if you're going to try and win a trophy. Is It's not whether you can win when you play well. It's can you win when you don't play well as well. Liverpool did. So I thought the game was there to be won for Chelsea, specifically in the second half. If you don't put your chances away, that separates the elite sides from the very good sides. So both of Liverpool's goals came from set pieces. Mm. The first one, very good strike by... Ooh, quality. Wait, wait, wait. Basically, wait, 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 quickly, before you say I need yeah. to ask you, do you give Salah the assist for that goal? Yeah. We've had the conversation before about, like... What's the nature of, of, of an assist? Yeah, like, is is some assists are better than others, but, you know, the last person, the person who gave you the ball last gets an assist, even if you dribble crazy. eight no, man, but go back in the archives yeah. and find that one. But, yeah, but um, yeah, so a lot of people were probably thinking, you can't get this up and down, and if you do, it's going to be like, it's going to have to be an incredible free kick. It's like the Marathon against Nigeria. Mm. So are they going to, is it going to be Henderson? Like is Salah going to go with his left foot and try to bend it around the wall or something like that? But no, he just kind of back heels it to Trent Alexander-Arnold, who we all know has like great technique and there's nothing you can really do to save that one. Maybe you could close it down if you can see what's coming beforehand, but if you don't anticipate it, there's, there's nothing you can really do. So one nil. And then two, I mean, how do you feel about man marking, zonal marking? Because Rob- Robertson puts in the delivery, and Firmino's just basically free. So he has a free header, puts it in 2-0, and that's it. And now there's this big discussion about zonal marking, man marking. Which one do you prefer? I feel like every team, maybe not every team, but like most teams, there should be a mix. You should have certain people, for instance, like if the two center backs come up, always mark the center forward just because you'd think that most center forwards are going to be good in and around the box. So like you pick up certain players who are dangerous and you take players and you man mark them and then everybody else can play zone. But to play all man, all zone, I feel like that's kind of silly. I'd have to watch the match back to see if they were playing like half and half or 60-40, whatever. But I feel like Chelsea, you have enough tall players. You have Abraham and Alonso was on the pitch at the time, I believe. And you have have enough tall players that, yo, if you want to put a man on Van Dyke, go ahead and do it. If you want to put a guy on Firmino, like Christensen on Firmino, you stick with him, make sure he doesn't do anything. And then you can have other players that are just, you mark this zone. And if it comes near you, you get, you get it away. But there's always somebody with a threat. And I feel like it was just everybody was marking a zone in that instance. And once one person falls asleep, I mean, you're just you're just begging to give up a chance. So no, You have to interpret the situation. There are times when zonal walks. There are times when man-to-man walks. So you just have to be able to interpret the situation based on the team that you're, that you're playing. Because zonal marking has its advantages because, you know, okay, I know my space. We're not sort of like disrupting the shape of our team. Most time, more times than not, when it's a set piece coming through, you should really do man-to-man. Like, even I even remember like playing in, in, in school, whenever there's always a set piece, normally what you hear is, all right, Get your man. Who's your man? Who's your man? And like the defender will be screaming at me, 
being the midfielder that yo, who's your man? Who's your man? Wait, which 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 one do you have? So I've always held that whenever I've played for football and I'm defending a free kick and we're the attacking team, I always get shouted at for which man do I have? Do I have a man? So I think more times than not, it should really be man-to-man for a free kick. But then again, it just depends on the situation and the team that you're playing against, you know, because it's like, if you're playing against a team that's not that great, maybe you're, maybe it's cool to ride with Zonal and maybe a few people get to get a man, but generally Zonal. But if you're playing against a very good team, specifically with very dangerous players, I think it's, it's wise to say, you know what, let's, like, our best defenders... Go let's let's get let's just put our best defenders against their tall defender coming in and their and their best striker. Mm. Boom. I, I remember I remember back in the day, like obviously I'm gonna use the Chelsea example because that's the team I watched the most, but they would play men generally, but there would always be a few people in zone. So Drogba would always be in a zone and mm. he would stand near enough to the to the to the near post, like on corner kicks. Just the the amount of clearances. I don't know if anybody could ever do this, but just like the amount of set piece clearances that Drogba had because he was playing in his zone <laughs> was crazy. And I always feel like you have you have a player like Drogba who's good at heading, but you he's not a natural defender, so you don't want him to get done, I don't know, by some crafty pick play or something like that that the opponents might do. So you tell him, hey, Drogba, just near post, defend it. If it comes near you, head it 50 meters away. And, you know, we can bring the lineup and then we can go again or something like that. But and then you have maybe like John Terry or Ricardo Cavallo, like, OK, I'm going to mark whoever the center forward, whoever the um, the center back is who's coming into the team. And then we can do it like that. I feel like that's probably the best way to go about it. Just some people in zone, some people in man. And you work it that way. But I, obviously that takes time, I guess. And maybe Lampard hasn't been in enough to get through his idea of what he wants on set pieces. So maybe the longer he stays, the better he gets. So that was the first half, 2-0. And then the second half arrives, and Chelsea play. They play well, I, I guess. Like, watching the second half, you couldn't really complain. I mean, they won the second half, as people might say. We got to talk about Kante, man. Mm. <laughs> made him a chief. Now, 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 chief now. Now, I was watching halftime. No, no, no. Tell a lie. It was before the game. And you know when the, the TV people put in, like, the 11s and whatnot? You have the pundits try to talk about what they think is going to happen with the formation and this and that. And one of the people that was on TV was like, he was asked a question about what, what do you want to see from Chelsea? And he was basically like, sorry, he was very insistent on playing N'Golo Kante in a more further role. But I think I would want to see him back in his preferred deeper role where he's able to kind of protect the back four. <laughs> and it made me think, yo, like... People continue to snitch on themselves. Anyone who ever says N'Golo Kante should be a central defensive, even on FIFA this year, I think, his FIFA card or whatever, it says CDM. People are snitching. Like, you don't know football if you're saying N'Golo Kante should be a central defensive midfielder. That's not what he is. Mm. So any, so anyone who says, yo, Kante should be staying, he, he should be, basically Kante should be in the Makalele role. Anyone who says that, they're, they're snitching on themselves. I think we talked about this maybe a couple of weeks ago where like, he looks like this, so he's going to be that. Or she looks like hers, so she's the same thing. Like, that's that's not how real Ooh, life works. But I, I like we went there. He looks like, therefore. Kante looks like Makalele, so people <laughs> automatically assume that that's what he's going to be. 
You know, that's kind of how it works. I think it's, it's one of those things. Five foot play. six, French, plays for Chelsea, all that kind of stuff. They play in midfield. So people just automatically assume, oh, one plus one equals two. But no, 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 no. So anyone that tells you Conte should just stand and soak pressure in front of the two center backs, they clearly don't know what they've been watching from Leicester and his Chelsea career. Oh, no, no. I, I, th- I think basically it's one of those things of like people just don't want to accept this is the most versatile, multi-talented footballer on the planet in terms of defensive walk, midfield walk, final third walk. There isn't a more multi-talented outfield player in the world. There isn't. Because, again, I was one of those guys that was like, wait, hey, can't not say final third guy. What's he going to do? But somehow the guy just, he, you know, fell down, messed up, failed, retrained, learned the trade, learned from his mistakes and just retrained himself into figuring out how to be effective in the final third. So, you know, bless Sarri for actually putting him in there and actually getting him to be put in there. But it's like, when you look at what he does with regards to interceptions, tackling, winning the ball, passing, creating, through balls and shooting and, and finishing, I'm like, he can pretty much do everything as an outfield player, which is crazy. But the funny thing is, because I remember when... um. Kante scored the goal like Carragher was, um, which is why I hate listening to a commentary, but I was in the office and the guy I was watching with had Sky on, so I just had to just watch his um, Sky thing and everything. Mm-hmm. Carragher was saying that, oh, no, no, you, you wouldn't normally associate Kante with um, Kante with, with um, scoring. I was like, last I checked, wasn't this guy the highest scoring midfielder for Chelsea last season? Maybe. I, I think Loftus-Cheek. Would, would would take that crown, but Conte would have been number two. Okay, he was, was but, but see, at the point he was number one. Kovacic hasn't scored a goal since January 2017 for club and country. Yeah. We're coming up on three years, and this guy's still in drought. So I I don't want to hear anything about oh Conte should have been scoring goals. If anything, Kovac if Kovacic scored that goal, people wouldn't be confused in their Very mind. Very they would be oh my god, Kovacic! No, no, like no, but, but I, 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 I can't believe no, 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 a player wait, wait, like Kovacic would wait, ever score see, a goal. Like, but we know what this is. Wait, we I like know what this went, is. I like where you went with regards to what he looks like because people love. You know, I, I might even do like if a, a video on this because it's 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 basically people love to label people. They love it. Like this guy is that, and if he goes beyond that. It's surprising. Oh, geez, he doesn't normally do that. But oh, wow, this is this is so surprising because people are just like, no, he looks like this. Therefore, he's this. Can say he looks like your destroyer, your tackler, who's just there to defend. He should not be there in the final third. So it is very hard for people to look at this guy is putting ball through through people's legs. This guy is dribbling past people. This guy is doing flicks. This guy is doing. I think he did like a, a no look pass at, 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 at one point. So do you, do you remember the Super Cup where he took out Milner or somebody? Yeah, <laughs> I was watching it with him, with him, with him forward. And me and Ford were like, this guy is doing like Ronaldinho skills and putting yeah man. Guys less like, what the? But we, which is why like it is it is it, it is so interesting because now it's like if people aren't going to see him as what he is, I a box to box multi talented midfielder, therefore. You are just obsessed with saying, okay, he looks like this, therefore he should be a defender. Why is he out there? This is why I want people to stop. Well, actually, anyone who says that, I just like, okay, I don't think you watch Chelsea enough. Maybe it's not that you don't know football. But it's just that you you clearly don't know what you're talking about. If you are a football analyst, you should know about you should know Kante. He's like the top five in the world. My thing about it is that you can't use the whole thing of like, oh no, you don't watch Chelsea enough. No. If you watch the game, 
you watch France games or you or you watch Chelsea games, you have to watch the game. Pretty much from this year, last year, any game you watch of Chelsea that Kante plays in, he's not a CDM. He's a box-to-box and he's pretty much the entire team. You know, he's pretty much covering the entirety of the pitch. So if you can see that as a football analyst, you're crap. <laughs> you're, a, you're a brick analyst. Do you know, do you know, it was weird. I was listening to um, the post-match on Sky and, you know, they were talking with... <laughs> he comes up in our show every week. They, they were talking with Graves Soonis, right? Oh. And, they were, and, and, and they were showing, like, it was him, Mourinho, I think Carragher was in studio as well. Yeah. And, and they were showing them, like, the replay of the goal. And they were trying to think, like, how did this goal happen? And everything that he said was, oh, I think maybe Liverpool have tired legs. And they, they were at Napoli the other week and all mm-hmm. the travel. And Fabinho just looks kind of leggy. I was just like, can Conte get no credit? Nope. <laughs> it was just all about how Liverpool were tired and didn't know what they were doing. I was just like, can my guy get credit? No, 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 no. But I think that's why I bring in the whole what people look like. Because it's like, when you look at Conte especially with how he started off, people just like it to be like, no, you can't be the goal scorer. You can't be the dribble and flairer. You've got to be that hard worker, defensive. You're important for protecting the team. What people are finding it's very hard to accept is it's a dark-skinned dude who looks the way that he, he does, but he's extremely his football intelligence and IQ is extremely high. And he's extre- he's technically very good. Do you know what's crazy? Do you know what's crazy? If Sari, and I kind of had this argument with Sari. Sari said that he didn't want to play Kante in the defensive in the in the regista role because he didn't feel like Kante. Maybe it wasn't that he didn't have these qualities, but he mm. didn't have them on the level of Jorginho. Mm. So he he didn't want him to play in that role because he wanted a player that was more um, kind of heady and could, could pass one way or the yeah. other. I think if Sari had played Conte in that central defensive regista position, if he had played him in that role for a season, he'd be the best in the world at that. You Basically, any role in midfield, if Sari would have told him, I want you to play like this, mm. Conte would have done the requisite work necessary in order to become one of the best in the world at that mm. midfield role. Mm. But I think Sari looked at him and thought, he can't do this. So I'll, I'll make him a more box-to-box player. And because Chelsea... Chelsea last season, other than Barcelona, PSG, Bayern Munich, and Manchester City, basically Mm. the champions of those four major leagues, they had the most possession of any club in Europe. I think it was something near to 65, somewhere in that range, 65% possession. Where did people think Conte was going to go? Like, they had more possession than Juventus. They had more possession than Liverpool. Like, Chelsea kept the ball a lot. I was thinking, like, where do people think that he's no. going to be at? Chelsea had a lot of the ball last season, so Conte is going to obviously improve and improve on his making oh. runs in the final third and things like yeah. that. So one thing that like Montau even said, like on the on the hangout, because he said that look, you put Conte in Real Madrid, treble loading, and that is pretty much the idea. Because basically, it's almost it's, it's like. In, in in basketball, value. Who do you say is the most valuable player in the world? Not who's the best, who is who brings the most value? It has it has to be Kante. Like as far as the best, okay, you look at Messi, you look at Neymar, and, and so forth and everything. But in far, so if I'm a manager, in far of value, it's almost like when you're thinking about playing a management game. So I've got a player who 
can help me defend. Mm-hmm. I can rely on him to keep the ball. I can rely mm-hmm. on him to make final third passes, and he can occasionally like actually strike. So if he's in a shooting position, he can actually shoot, shoot the ball on like Sissi Soko. That is in crazy value. He scored against Manchester United. He scored against Manchester City. He scored against Liverpool. It's not some strange, oh my goodness. You know what I mean? Like that's that's the crazy thing. And go, it goes back to the point I was making before. Kovacic hasn't scored in almost three years. If he scored that goal, people wouldn't. Maybe some people would be like, ah, he finally scored one, like me. But I think most people would just be like, ah, oh, like we expect that from him. Conte does it, and people just they just can't grasp. So anybody who keeps saying Conte's a DM, I don't want to hear your opinion on football anymore because you clearly are watching. You're just oh, this look, this guy looks like he should be playing here, so that's where he plays. Nah. Like no 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 I think no, 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 our brains here. You have to be able to like again, like I don't anybody that says he's a defensive midfielder or a CDM or he should be compared with Fabinho or, or Busquets, then you don't you, you you're not watching the, the the guy. Like I just think oh yeah, who's the best um DM out there? Like, no, he's not a DM. Busquets doesn't sniff the final third. Fabinho sometimes is there, but he ain't that great in the final third, you know. So Kante yeah, la- last po- last la- last point Kante. here, though. Last point here. I think Kante is twenty nine. I mean, he might be twenty eight, but I'll I'll say he's twenty nine. In the next three four years, he's gonna have to turn into what people think he should have been all along. Maybe because he's such a great athlete, he'll always be able to move around the pitch and cover, you know, thirteen kilometers or wherever it was like yesterday. But I think. At the older he gets, if he wants to prolong his career, he's going to have to move into somebody that can play in a deeper role and kind of turn into Makalele in that sense. People might be able to continue just saying the wrong thing for the next three years. And by the time he gets older, then they'll be correct and they can say, yeah, this is what I've wanted all along. But it, that's only because he'll be older and have more miles on his legs and he'll have to adapt his game to play something different. Oh. So I think I think that's what's gonna happen. Everybody who's been wrong, just stay saying the same thing, and Conte will get to 33 years old, and he'll have to play where you want him to play because he won't have the legs to play the way he's playing now. Mm. So that would be my advice to you guys: just keep being wrong until you're right. Oh no, no, but, but, but for I, right I think, now you're wrong and you're sitting on yourself. Well, I think it's it's, it's, one, it's one of those things of where I'm trying to think of a player who has gone through the same kind of metamorphosis as Conte has, because normally, like. <laughs> This guy was in Cannes, third third division of French football, like five years ago. Mm. Now he's a World Cup winner, two time Premier League winner. Should have won a Euros. He's gonna be president of Mali or whatever. The funniest thing was the funniest thing was after he scored that goal. Look at his expression. He did. He was like, "I want to be happy, but we're losing still." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> because he had the most poker. Because normally, even if you're losing, you're like, you're "Like, yeah, come on, come on." He was just like, "Okay, come on, guys, let's go." <laughs> <laughs> he's too good for Chelsea, I think. I think this is this is another thing. I'm... That's not a point. <laughs> Any Chelsea fan, that's it's a blessing, man. This guy is way too good for this club. You're having a laugh. He's too good for Chelsea. Too good. All PSG need need to do is you put you have a midfield of Kante, Berati, and it was a gay game over. It's kind game of short over. though. I mean, that's like five, 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 six. Five nine maybe, <laughs> I don't know. Um, so yeah, I think we we talked about Conte enough. But just the, do you remember the the Boondocks episode about like stop snitching? 
Oh yeah, I thought, yeah, that was bigger than me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's no secret that black people are culturally inclined against snitching. Hey, I ain't seen nothing. Hell no! Man, f your mom. But recently, what was once an unwritten rule about snitching has become a full-blown stop snitching movement, complete with merchandising. That that was my inspiration, bro. Like it's it's frowned upon in black culture to be a snitch. <laughs> Yeah, anyway, so Liverpool have 18 points out of a possible 18. I don't think that there's not much to say about Liverpool, really. It, I mean, you basically already said it all. Like, they didn't play great, but they won. And that's what you need to do if you're going to win a league. Um, last week, the episode was basically about I destroyed football, Pep. Um, they lost to Norwich. And this week, I mean, <laughs> Pep, Pep must have listened to the podcast. Bro. No, 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 yeah, he, he did, he did, he did, he did. <laughs> Like literally, it was it was five it was nil after Fraudiola, eighteen minutes. Fraudiola, Fraudiola. <laughs> <laughs> it was five nil after eighteen minutes. I was like, guys, I think you might you <laughs> you guys might have to drop whatever you do with it. Like two two to this one. Like no no no, because like let's let us keep it real. Like what Pep is doing to the Premier League has never been done since Premier League be- before. The way in which he is decimated because he didn't do this in the Bundesliga for as good as that Bayern team was he wasn't making a complete mockery of the Bundesliga as he is with, with the Premier League if it weren't for Liverpool City would have won the league like with two months three months to spare and last and the season before what they won it like by what's 12 13 14 points in the last part of the season he has made a flipping mockery like five goals in 80 minutes is stupid it's stupid. That's ridiculous. It could have easily been, been 10. Easily. Aguero should have scored four. He only ended up with one. Yeah. So they could have scored a dozen. And I blame Aguero because I wanted 10. I, just, I wanted nice. like utter destruction. Been but yeah. Like Aguero had a chance at five. It was five nil. And he was through one on one. And I guess he was like, look, we just scored five goals in 20 minutes. I know we're going to win. So let me just be audacious. So he tried to chip. The goalkeeper on a uh, in a one v one and it like just dreadfully missed. I was like, if you did what you would do at nil nil, which is basically just arrow a shot into the far post, you know, you get six nil. The momentum keeps going, and maybe in the first half you score seven, eight instead of five. They won eight zero. What is that on the double H system? Let me pull it up. So this is this is eight yeah. Yep. And eight. <laughs> I have a feeling it's a persecution. But let me just do, do double check. Yep, it's a persecution. <laughs> so they got persecuted. Yeah, man. So Watford, Watford were were persecuted. <laughs> it was worse than that, man. Like the first five minutes, it gave me. Do you remember, like, do you remember when you watched Seven One, and it was just that kind of, what am I watching? No, 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 nope, nope, nope. Sorry, Daniel, stop, 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 stop. I know that was a World Cup semifinal, no, no, no. but it was that Daniel, same no, no, vibe. Daniel, you we know? have to accept this. This one we have to accept. We are probably never going to see anything like 7-1 in our lifetime ever again. <laughs> the, the feeling of 7-1 is unlike anything I've ever seen before in my life. No, but it, it gave me those vibes of just like, oh. this team is running. They... I think... It's gonna come on. How are you how are you gonna come compare a Man City Watford to Brazil Germany <laughs> World I'm Cup? Saying, like, obviously, it's like uh like the generic version of it, or like 
I don't B- know, whatever, B-tech like secret stopping. Yeah, yeah, you guys call it B tech. I would call it like the Dollar General version. Like, <laughs> it was just, it was just like, oh, I remember this kind of feeling of like this team is getting blitzed five after eighteen minutes. Damn, that's tough. It's, 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 what else it's, happened? Arsenal were down to ten men. I was see Chelsea were losing, and concurrently Arsenal were playing, and I saw the updates coming through. And I was like, okay, Chelsea might lose, but at least we're going to get some good Arsenal fan TV. So that'll make my afternoon a little bit more bearable. And then it goes from, it was 2-2, and then Aubameyang scores the winner. And Arsenal win 3-2 with 10 men, and they turn around a bad situation after uh, Maitland-Niles gets red-carded. Wait, 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 Um, wait, 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 wait. Have we talked about how Aubameyang could be one of Arsenal's biggest cult heroes based on social media and... Arsenal fan TV and stuff. Did we have that discussion? No, we haven't. You know, you, you know how he, you know, the whole song of Abama Blood Cat Yang and that kind of stuff. Because mm-hmm. obviously, troops made that thing saying, and Aubameyang says that saying. And every time he sees troops, he does like that. And Aubameyang and, and, and Robbie, who owns Arsenal fan TV, they actually know each other and everything. First of all, I think that Aubameyang is arguably the most informed striker in the world right right now. And this guy is going to get a lot of goals. But just think, because of social media, how much closer fans are to the players and how players use social media, fans use social media, and that gap has been bridged unlike uh, as it was back, back in the day, I think Obama may go down as one of a very particular, unique kind of Arsenal legend because of the social media time that he's around. He, like, really not knows his fans. Because I was even thinking about it today. Like, if Ian Wright... I said I was just about to bring him up. I was going to be like, do, do you think he would have been in the, or do you think he's going to be in kind of that Ian Wright? Not, I don't, I don't want to put him in the, like the same bracket as Thierry Henry because Thierry Henry was like an alien, but like mm. kind of in that bracket of how Arsenal fans love their players in that way. You know what? Let me be real with you. Let me be real with you. Remember, Henri moved shady in the way that he left for Barcelona. I think for Arsenal fans, they recognize Henri based on just how amazing he was and how much he loves the club and everything. But I do feel like if Arsenal fans have a closer affinity for Ian Wright than they do for Henri. I don't whole... want to speak for Arsenal fans, but like Aubameyang, you at least have to win a Premier League, right? In order yeah. to be in that bracket. Put it this, this way. Even if they don't win in the Premier League, I still feel based on Arsenal fan TV and the social media thing, there is just a closeness Mm-hmm. The Arsenal fans have with Aubameyang that they've never had with any of the other top strikers or, 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 or top players. So Aubameyang is already in a very unique space based on just the time that he's playing in mm. for Arsenal. Yeah, I mean, it's it, I, I would say it's been a while since they've had that. So you had yeah. like Van Persie could have been, but the way he left, he like messed that up entirely. And then who who else would there have been? Adebayor, same kind of the same thing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> greatest celebration of all time so yeah i mean like those are the two that i would think like in the meantime like strikers that they could have had that or maybe Giroud to an extent but not really because he just wasn't that good um useful but not that good so yeah i think that would be the lineage like right Henri, van percy with an asterisk and then Aubameyang. okay how long is ollie gonna last because it's not looking hot right now. They had Mourinho in the studio, and they were asking him questions about, like, yo, (laughs) 
this Manchester United squad is not good. And I was like, yo, we bought half these players. Like, y'all put them out there on front street. <laughs> they had Roy Keane. I'm not going to try an Irish accent, but they had Roy Keane. He was like, yo, I've been watching this Manchester United team for a couple of years, and they've just been like, the players aren't Manchester United standard. They're not good enough. Mourinho's sitting right there next to him. He's talking to him. And Mourinho's just is like, bro, I'm not the person to ask about this team because I was just there. But if, I think Mourinho said that this team is worse than the one he had last year. So did you see the Phil Jones video? I saw it, but I don't believe it. Wait, what's weird? You don't believe what? I don't think Woodward was talking to Phil Jones. I think he was talking to someone to the left of Phil Jones, but it's camera tricks. And maybe that's what they said. But the fact that you put the words down and that's how their lips are moving, then it looks exactly like that. So I, no, I don't necessarily no. believe that that's what was happening. No, no, no. For me, just, because if it was true, we'd know by now. Yeah, but no, you know, just a look. It just, just that exchange, like, I get that Murad may be talking to the guy to the left of Jones, but just the way in which he reacted and how he reacted is like he's forcefully telling someone. So who could it be, be forcefully telling someone things to as soon as Phil Jones finished that sentence? Uh, like maybe, I don't... maybe maybe Phil Jones was talking to the person next to him. Woodward overhears the conversation and tells him, "Hey, chill." Yeah, that's still like yo. So it's it's still you. That is still sort of connected to what was apparently li- like. I don't believe maybe all those words, but that is still connected to like he's obviously saying that. Look, man, this what what the hell is going? This 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 is a, a part of crap. It's like yo, man, chill. Just shut sh- 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 the hell up. Because I think those executives and directors and stuff. In those boxes in front of them, that there's like a TV there, so I'm sure mm-hmm. they see the broadcast, so they know when they're on camera and when they are. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah there's yeah. always going to be that little delay, so I'm sure he's like, "Hey, we're on TV," and then you hear something in the background that you might not want anybody to lip read. You're like, "Hey, hey, 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 we're on camera. Let's just no, shut no, up." I'll, 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 I'll keep it three stacks. With I'll, I'll keep it three stacks. Minimum five years, bro. Minimum five years before United get back to relevancy, man. But first of all. That's that match was crap for footballing quality. That was a low grade match. <laughs> the amount of long balls, the amount of time that the ball got hoofed, there was no short passes, no triangles, no intricacy, no bits of skill. It was like it was it was just it was really bad to watch. And I'm like, my god, this is the great Manchester United. This was a team that was like this was bloody like a titans. From that to like, this team looks like this is a mid-table team. It's a mid-table team, and Rashford is injured. Marshall is injured. You saw Lukaku. Hmm. Should you have sold Romelu? Because Lukaku right now is looking over on like top of the the table. United. (laughs) All right. Lukaku is in Italy defeating racism right now. Yeah. they, They don't have one fit striker. (laughs) <laughs> yep. It's weird how the world works, but yeah. but is do you think that's kind of revisionism? What do you if mean? If you say like cuz a lot of people probably saying this were not on Lukaku's side at the time. But then now that kind of the things things have shifted around. Now it's kind of easy to say you shouldn't have, you shouldn't oh, have no, sold Lukaku no, 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 cuz he's no, in no, Italy no, geeing no, up. No, like I always said I always said that once when they agreed to sell him I wanted to sell him I said Bro, you're putting a lot of pressure on Rashford now because by doing this, you've now made a concerted decision for a guy who has only scored what 10 goals max in a season that 
you're now a main striker. For Oli, you want to always try and cover your ass. For me, in a squad, you should always have a you should have a minimum of three strikers in your squad. They three. have three that Ooh, that can I'm play good. there. They have Rashford, they have Martial, and they have Greenwood. Now the the, the only problem is Rashford's injured, Martial's injured, and your third striker because he's eighteen has tonsillitis. I think the problem is relying on the players that you're relying on, not that the fact that they don't have the personnel. Like okay. uh, I, I don't think would a 23, 24 year old have tonsillitis. Isn't that a disease? Isn't that something I was gonna say disease? Isn't that something that you get when you're six, like twelve or something? In your teenager, in your teens. So that's your fault for relying on a teenager because they're gonna have teenage problems, <laughs> like puberty or something. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, it's I can't. Yeah, like I remember when like I'm out with puberty. <laughs> do you remember when Eric Dyer had like an ap- appendectomy? That's just something that happens to people in their twenties, I guess, like the mid- early twenties, I guess. Like it's just a, something that happens to particular people. That's the kind of something you got to live with. So, see, personally, I like Lukaku. So I would have kept Lukaku because I believe in him. Like any everywhere he's been, except Chelsea, and he never really got the chances at Chelsea. He's gotten goals, mm. Andelect goals, West Brom goals, Everton goals, United even when they were trash goals, Inter goals. I think I think he played ten games for Chelsea and didn't score. But I'm sure most of those appearances weren't starts. No, no. So. Um, and my this guy is a proven is goal scorer. He's not clean. He's not polished, really, in that sense. Like, you wouldn't want him on your five-a-side team, I don't think. But if you're playing 11 aside, he's dangerous. Belgium, Rashford. oh, my goodness. It's like, Rashford has proven what Lukaku has proven. At the end of the day, yes, Lukaku, we, we call him Thames. His control is, is a bit crazy. <laughs> you call him Thames. Don't say me. This ain't French. He has proven himself by scoring goals at international level at various other clubs. Something that Rashford never has. I think Lukaku has maybe hit, what, 15, 16, 17, 18 goals a season or something. Rashford has hit 10 or 11. <laughs> That's his max. Like, Tammy Abraham is like three or four away from equaling dude. That's crazy. And that's the guy that you want to put all your faith in? That's mad. Let's, let's talk about Milan Derby. Um, Inter, AC Milan. AC Milan are another club that is going to take a little bit of time. I mean, you always kind of talk about this. So this, this always this always comes up when we talk about Milan. So I don't really want to get into the, you know, the fall from grace and these guys have been playing. They, I, I, this is the team of Shevchenko and Maldini and, you know, all those guys, Gattuso and Seydorf and, you know, the names just kind of go on and on. Um, we don't necessarily have to get into the fall from grace. I think it's, it's clearly evident. But if we just want to talk about Inter, Inter are having a great start to the season. I mean, great. I mean, they still need to face some ad- ad- adversity. Who have they really faced? But so far, so good. Their only blip, you would say, was the Champions League game. Everything else has kind of gone like like you would think. When things are good with Antonio Conte, they're great. It's the moment he decides, I don't like this anymore. That's when we get problems. So it happened when he was early managing at in, in Italy, I think places like Lecce or something like that, where he just gets into feuds with the boards and doesn't get what he wants. Um, I'm not quite sure how it ended at Juventus, so I'm not going to speak on that. Um, I'd have to go back and read and find out exactly what happened there, but I'm pretty sure it's probably something similar. Chelsea, I think he sued Chelsea for like breach of contracts. He well, got paid, it, and it then he went again to sue them again. And the max amount of money he can get for this latest suit is like 60k. And the person in the article that I read, he was like, Antonio Conte is basically just doing this to prove a point to Chelsea. He's 
He's petty suing Chelsea. Apparently, he's the best paid manager in the Serie A. And he's suing Chelsea. <laughs> but that's 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 just his personality, I guess. Like you mess with me, I'm gonna get I'm just gonna be a, a, a thorn in your side, I suppose. But like when, when things are great with him, they're great. The moment they turn bad, it's like this guy, man, like I need him out. <laughs> like, did you, was it Watford? I'm forgetting it might have been Watford or Bournemouth when you were just watching the game, and it's just like yo, and no, we were watching the game together, I think. Yeah, yeah, Watford, um, Watford. Yeah, and he's just like, yo, this guy, <laughs> he's he clearly sabotaging the team, man. He doesn't even care anymore. Um, but to his credit, every time I think I think every season in major management, he's won at least a trophy. So FA Cup, Premier League, obviously what he did with Juventus, and they win the league every year. So he's a proven winner. And do you really want the same team to win the league nine times, or would it be fun to you know switch it up? So hopefully Inter can continue that success and apply pressure in maybe a similar way that Napoli did a couple seasons ago. That would be fun. I watched the some of the Juventus game. There was a point I, I had in that game. Ah, Buffon. Buffon played. And I was watching the game. I was like, so the the new um, rules where you can have people inside the box, I was thinking yeah, about yeah, yeah, yeah. You told when, me, yeah, yeah. When, I, And then I had to research. like, when was Gianluigi Buffon born? So I looked up and it said 1978. So I was like, 1978, I think the back pass rule was 1992. So he might have been like 13 or 14 when the back pass rule was invented. So basically, like during his educational formation, I'm sure, like if he's 10, 11, 12, the back pass rule doesn't exist. And then it, it's implemented while he has memories and he, like he's becoming a goalkeeper. So mm. I'm like, you start off with no back pass rule and now you're taking goal kicks and there's like four guys in the box that I can pass it to. <laughs> like just the, the span of his career and the different things that have happened, dealing with VAR, all that kind of stuff. He's just a he's an interesting person. And if Juventus, as I always say, if Juventus are going to keep giving this guy checks or PSG are willing to give you money, like should you really turn it down? Not really. I mean, so yeah, that was just something interesting I thought while I was watching the game. Like this guy, 1978, I think. Crazy. So what's next? Barcelona, Barcelona. Um, Val Valverde has been inducted. He's now chilling in the Class B wing. <laughs> you see, this is the problem. Like, uh, when, maybe on this podcast, we talk about like Granada, Elche, Ibar, you know, all these teams from these different leagues that are just kind of garbage. And then eventually, <laughs> because they're there every year, someone eventually wins. And now it makes it worse, maybe, than what it was. So, like, you lose to Granada, and it's just like, Granada. Granola, like I, I, I feel like in past episodes we called them Granola. Like even when, even when you just rule them off, like you know, Elche, Gran Granada, like there's something about I, the, like a very British sounding name. I don't know what it is. Like Messi played the second half, so that excuse really isn't there. I think Suarez and Griezmann started. I didn't watch the game, but I'm just going from like things that I've heard. So I'm, I'm, I'm sure you watched it quite intently. So. Um, what happened? What's going on with Barcelona? What are the problems? So basically, no. Like, see, I only watched bits. So I watched bits of the first half because, yeah, it was happening at the same time as the Milan derby. Mm. So I could only watch bits of the game. But from what I saw and from what I have read and from other people, like, you know, the accounts of the game is... um already has to take some of the, the blame. You have to because if you have Griezmann, the Cannibal, De Jong... Semedo, all these guys on the pitch, you should be able to, to defeat Granada away from home. So you have to take some some blame because you have to work out your strategy, tactics, and everything. But at the end of the, the day, 
Griezmann is supposed to be world, world class. Figure it out. Cannonball is supposed to be this great striker. Figure it out. Mm-hmm. You guys are experienced top level players. How are you not able to have like any shots on target in 45 minutes of whole football? <laughs> because I'm telling you right now, Messi is thinking long, long and hard. That's why he's not yet co- committed his future to, to the club. Because Messi's like, you know what? Um, let me just chill. And in his mind, he's like, you know what? Let me just assess the landscape and just think about whether I actually want to commit my full-on future to this club. Because it seems as if it's going to be like Groundhog Day where um, everything now rests upon me. Because it seems as if... They... So these guys can't get it done without me against either Osasuna or Granada away from home. Like say you now suck Valverde, you bring in Ten Hag, somebody who now plays much more attack and offensive football. Are the players there that can be effective? How good are these players really? Because this since the period of David Villa, of Javi, of Iniesta, of Henri, of Etzo, of Dani Alves, these guys are not, are not there. Busquets is a lot older. Mm-hmm. Pique is a lot older. Jessica Alba is a lot older. <laughs> Can you Alba. respect that man at least once? Or call him Jordy. Nah, nah. No, no, like I'm so like, like I'm just like I I just I just can't like I'm just so honing on that name. You have all these players who are, in my view, past their prime. So this is why I said it was so important for them to get a Neymar. Like getting Griezmann was, was definitely good. Griezmann ain't Neymar. He's not. This is the thing that I would ask you then. Like, what if you say get rid of Valverde, bring in Ten Hag, how good are these players? What is your aim for this season? Is your aim to win La Liga, to win the Champions League? Is that your aim to win with these players? I mean, maybe you could, but I think it's going to be difficult to do it with this particular set of players if you want to do both. Because look, Messi is he controls his club and everything. So mm-hmm. and Messi has very clearly stated that he wants to win the Champions League again. Yes, let's go for all trophies because while we're Barcelona, let's aim for the treble. But I think his primary objective is to win the Champions League. And so that has to be a main objective. And I think the reason why, despite them winning back-to-back La Liga titles with Valverde, people are saying Valverde must go is because of not only their failure to win the Champions League is the manner in which they've um, been thrown out of the competition. Can they win the Champions League with this squad and this team? I don't think so. I think once they face a truly formidable team, they'll get gone because there's only so much Messi can, can, can do. So with this current team, if they were to face Liverpool, um, Juventus, maybe Real Madrid, I'm not sure whether over two legs, if it's just a one game at the company, then yeah. But over two legs, I'm not sure because this team has showed that at the new camp, yeah, they are money away from home. If you can't beat Granada or Osasuna away from home, how do you expect to beat Liverpool at Anfield, Juventus, Juventus <laughs> Stadium, or Bionica, the Allianz Arena? So, uh, Osasuna. <laughs> the names are the Okay, so Real Madrid beat Sevilla. That guy, Benzema, uh, scored again. Oh, um, I'm so okay. I'm sorry, Benzema. I'm sorry, Karim. I'm sorry, I doubted you. Okay, is, that, is, that, is that what you want from me? <laughs> Did, did you ever watch the Benzema thing on Netflix? Yes. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's Very good. Much. Like, have you seen it? Yeah, I, um, I'm friendly with the guy that made it, or one oh, of the directors. Okay. So. Yeah, just like Twitter friends. Okay, no, 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 no. Very, like, you see, watching that, I now better understand Benzema and what he's about. And I now understand how 
he doesn't really care. I, I don't think criticism would, would really shake him or not. Because you, you get an insight into, first of all, where he came from and the kind of person that, that, that he is. Because obviously, a lot of football players just had really have a personality. The guy, he's, he's a guy who couldn't give a damn about football. He's more like an NBA. He's more like an NBA. Like, if he was in the NBA superstar, you'd be like, ah, his personality makes a lot more sense. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. It's, it's good. Like, okay, so you were talking about it, he's might be the best in no, you were saying somebody's the best informed striker right now. Obamayang. Obamayang is who we were talking about. Okay. Like, like so me, there's like there's five names really. You have you have Obama Lukaku, Obama. you have Obamayang, there's Benzema. Maybe you could throw Tammy Abraham in that he scored like seven goals in his last four games or something like that. And then Lewandowski, I think he has nine goals in five games for, for Bayern. So where does Benzema stack? I'd put him like top three right now. Yeah, no, for sure, for sure. So I'm I'm glad he's out of Siberia. I campaigned for it for a long time, so I'm happy. I'm happy yeah, look, he's not more. We're, we're, we're gonna miss him. We're gonna miss him. We're gonna miss him. So yeah, Lewandowski as well. Like, have you been watching Bayern? That's that's the wrong question. Have you been watching what's going on in Germany? I think the top eight teams are separated by three points. It's like 13, 12, 11, 10. Like, there's a bunch of teams that are stacked very close together. Um, obviously, yeah, so we're yeah, gonna right. fall away, but. Leipzig are on top, Dortmund and uh, Bayern giving chase. So, what do you think is going to happen in the Bundesliga? Or are you paying that much attention? Yeah, no, no, oh, no, no. Like, I always try and double and look at highlights or stuff from everything. And I think for me, um, I think Coutinho feels very much at home at Bayern Munich. Mm, I thought and I think good. that this might be a pretty good season for him. And I think that this was a, a good move that he, 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 he made because there's, there's now less pressure and people want him there. And I think people are going to be much more supportive of him at Bandans than they were in Barcelona. Um, but I'm, I'm keeping my eyes on, on Leipzig, man. I th- because, t- see now, informed strikers, you've got to put Timo Werner in the mix. That guy has, mm. has been getting a lot of those, those, those Gs. So, After the yeah. World Cup, I think people were like, mm, I'm not really sure about yeah, this no, guy. Including me. I was, I was, I was primarily like, nah, this, 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 this guy's trash. But With clubs, I mean, the guys, he's a killer at yeah. times. I was looking I was looking at the assist, the essential five assists already. Is it a two-yard pass or, or a, a penetrative pass? <laughs> I don't know. Most, most of them are just probably like wide, low crosses. If mm. he ever ends up back at Manchester City, the guy's going to be... You might get twenty or thirty with that like low driven cross, the triple tap cross that Carl talks about. Like, God, I I hope they don't. If they buy him back, stay at Dortmund. Stay, remain there. The club- you know, I was I was reading something that Sterling had taught, and I don't. This might be. I don't know where this report came from. So somebody will have to Twitter search it and get back to me. Sterling's camp had talked with Real Madrid, and it's oh yeah, that, I that, today, yeah, 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 and it's something that he wants to do. So imagine Sterling ends up going to. Real Madrid, and they get like I don't know, two hundred million or one fifty or whatever the price would be. Sancho, Man City, it could happen. But as you say, I think Dortmund's a good place for like nineteen, twenty, twenty-one, twenty-two, just like build and and then move. Um, lastly, before we get to your questions, Neymar did it again, bro. Uber eats. Uber eats. No, 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 no. The goal that he scored, he's playing Olympic Lyon. Like he's, this is this this isn't some bum team. This isn't like I, I don't even want to call names because I don't want to disrespect anybody. <laughs> I was thinking names, but I didn't want to say it. <laughs> ah, but yeah, like Leon are a good side. So this isn't this is like a Champions League level team. So 
back-to-back games in damn near the last minute, he's popped up with a winner and scored really good goals as well. I, I tried to tell you guys last week, like PSG ultras and this and that, booing Neymar is a futile exercise. He's going to make you look stupid. Yeah, like like yeah, it doesn't really like it doesn't affect him. It doesn't affect him, and he's going to make you look dumb. Basically, it's it's Two like, bad things. It's like it's like, it's like Morata, like you boo Morata, then his career is is over. Let me let me ask you this. Let me ask you this. Okay. If you had to put money down, would you put money down on Neymar being fully fit for the entire season? No. Hasn't he already missed games this season with injury? So I win. I don't think he's going to have a season-ending injury like he has maybe the, the past two, where he's just showed up for the last two league games and everything's already finished and he gets to lift the trophy and run around with his family or whatever. Like, I feel like he might miss a few games here and there, but I, I hope this season we don't end up with like the he's broken metatarsal for like the 19th time. I really hope that doesn't happen or, oh, he has a hamstring or calf injury. Like, I just, can we just get one? generally fit peak season of Neymar like in the next three years can just one fit season at like 27 28 29 where you're at the peak of your powers and you can just do what you need to do and get PSG I don't even want you to win it just get me a semi at least the club's never been there can you get me a semi can you get me into a final I don't even need you to win but just advance the club in some way just give me one season just one injury free season (laughs) And then we can then go from that's one injury free season with PSG, then 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 we can go go from there. Oh yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. We haven't done Champions League. Obviously, we made it that so yeah, no, I have not done a Champions League reaction because speaking about PSG, mm-hmm. yeah, man. Um to took help, man, bro. Idris Gay. Like well, go ahead, know, talk about it, talk about it. We have really guess, even to this yeah. point, because I don't want to go very off the name points. This team is primed to win this, this, this thing. Like, even when I was just looking at that game, I was like, okay, look, so Mbappe's out. Neymar Zalkovan is out. Look at the level of quality that is still in this team. Mm-hmm. And you now, if you're not to add Neymar into this team and fully fits, how don't they absolutely pulverize anybody that they face? It's always the question of the league. I like League 1, so don't mm-hmm. get me wrong, but this is just objective fact. Of the five major leagues, it's the worst one in terms of just the general level of quality. So you play that for 38 games, you get used to that standard. Then you're thrown into a Wednesday night, Tuesday night game of a high, high level against a high caliber team. How do you build the intensity or how do you keep this momentum when, you've, when you're already winning the league by 15, 18 points? So imagine this game right now. Lyon are probably the second best team in France. You just beat them. So you just took three points off your, off your title <laughs> rivals in air quotes. The league's going to be finished. By March, can can you keep Champions League level intensity while playing in a league like League A? Oh, no, no, yeah, no. I mean, basically, yeah, same thing with well, maybe to a lesser degree, Bayern Munich, you know, and even Juventus. This is like that is why. For but like, but, but see, those or, leagues are actually yeah, competitive. Those, those leagues are actually competitive. So yeah, the Bundesliga might be easy for Bayern, but they're not necessarily competing against the Bundesliga. They're competing against Dortmund. And mm. if Dortmund are competitive, then you always have that push to win points, oh, yeah, which yeah. keeps you sharp. Yeah. If you're Juventus, yeah, you've won nine times in a row, but there's a Milan maybe there. There's an Inter maybe there. There's a Napoli, Napoli maybe there. Roma maybe. To keep, always keep you sharp. Like somebody's going to be close, close enough maybe. In the Premier League and, and La Liga, it, it, it speaks for itself. There's always competition. In League 1, oh, if there's no competition and you're up by 21 points 
after 20 games. How do you keep that momentum or that kind of fight going in you to where, oh, it's Tuesday night and we have to get up for this game, but we haven't been able to do this since November? <laughs> it's difficult. Um, so, yeah, that's always the question, but not not for the first time. We've mentioned that on this podcast. So, questions. Where do you guys rank De Bruyne among midfielders in the world right now from AJ Cool 6? Definitely top five, but... Let's call on the De Bruyne talk. Let us see him do it in a in a major final and in more major games. We can't call De Bruyne the, the best player in, in the universe because of what he did against Watford. Uh, from Sammy1679, yes, Deschamps won the World Cup, but should he be given a permanent wing in the Brick Academy for benching Kante in the 2016 Euro final against Portugal? In my opinion, he needs to win five World Cups in a row just to be suspended. <laughs> What does HH think he has forgiven Deschamps? I'm not quite sure what that means. Um, but maybe he thinks, when does HH think he can forgive Deschamps? Um, no, look, as much as you want to say anything about Deschamps, homeboy won, won a World Cup. Hmm. So that's like an amazing protective shield. <laughs> that once you win a World Cup, there's very little you can say to denounce a dude. So it is what it is. What What's your take on um, Idrissa Ganagay? Seems like a lot of hype to me. Good player, but overhyped. By the way, N'Golo, Conte, or Superman for the horseman? Conte's won a World Cup. Could he be a horseman? Um, <laughs> of course. No, 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 it's like, for me, see, see, he's already got the minimum requirements, which is that World Cup. For me, you can only even be viewed as, you can only, your, your horseman only gets reviewed once you retire. Okay. Once you're, you're playing, it doesn't, you, basically, you can't be a horseman while you're still actively playing. No, you can't. It's going to be a husband after you retire. And thoughts on Idrissa Ganagay? No, 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 no. For me, I, I get where he's coming from. Like, okay, amazing game against Real Madrid. Absolutely amazing. But Modric wasn't playing. Tony Cruz is not that great a central mid. He's not that great a central midfielder. He's very good. He's not great. So let's just chill. He is a is a very good midfielder, but he's not on Verratti's le- level. Verratti is still the superior midfielder, but he's 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 very good at them. I think he was overlooked. You know when people say, who's the best player outside the top six? Mm. Um, and the answer would always generally be Crystal Palace, Wilfred Zaha. Or who, 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 and then the Neves. Ruben Neves, I suppose. Maybe that's one that people might say. Few people ever went Everton, Idrissa Ganagé. But I always remember watching Everton games, and like when Chelsea would play Everton, or you'd watch Everton and maybe against Liverpool or something. Like, yo, this player, he's really good. So, yeah, I think PSG was, was smart to get him. I know he wanted out. So, yeah, he's proven himself. Did Did you see the video of him and uh, Tuchel after the Real Madrid game where they were just hugging and embracing and, like, having a laugh and stuff? Oh, yeah. <laughs> and then, it's a funny video. It's it like Pep would, would, would be rolling in his, in his bed or something. <laughs> no, I was like, uh, Pep would throw up. <laughs> <laughs> That's crazy. <laughs> he was like projectile vomit. Play like that. Why DT do you call Pulisic bleached Willian? <laughs> what the hell? What? <laughs> wait, wait, say again. The Gowan 69 says, Why DT do you call Christian Pulisic bleached Willian when he more likes to receive the ball in space and dribble against teams in transition? If anything, his game is more like Pedro's. Also, what's your obsession with inverted wingers for Chelsea? I call him Bleached Willian because he's a right-sided winger who has a right foot who wears number 22. 
It just there's nothing really too too deep about it. And he he's not a goal scorer like William. So you get that. He's fast, he can dribble, he doesn't score that many goals. He wears number 22 and he came to Chelsea. So there you go. That's why I call him Bleach William. I don't know if that's necessarily a Chelsea thing. I think that's a football thing. Having, you know, a left-footed player on the right and a right-footed player on the left just so they can cut it and score goals. I think that's just generally a trend that's happened in football maybe in the past, what, 15 years? Um, Play Captain America more, man. I mean, what the hell? So what? You you bought him for all this stuff. There's all this hype and he's now on, on the bench. That's where I'm coming from. Im- um, imagine all the American people who tuned into the game yeah. yesterday. May- maybe Lampard would have used him, but... I think there were two injuries. Emerson and Christensen came off for injury, so he had to use two defender. He had to bring on two defenders in Zuma and Alonso. Maybe he would have played, but I'd like to see more of him. But when he has played, he hasn't played well. So there you go. Um, football bets. Jesus, what's this question going to be? Almost five years ago, Pochettino was appointed as Spurs manager. Since then, he has managed to win a whopping zero trophies. Furthermore, he won only four out of his last sixteen games. Has he taken them as far as he can with last season's Champions League final appearance? And does he resign or get sacked? Um, I feel like we yeah. answered this one recently, but what do you think? Yes, he has. And probably probably resigns, I think. Oh, no, 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 no. Res- I think, yeah, yeah, resign. Like, like a mutual... Mutual consent, um, yeah. Yeah, m- m- mutual consent. Um, I just think that I don't know where... They can improve on it specifically, specifically with Ericsson wanting to leave. I think that is a key thing. I think Ericsson is not going to sign that contract ex- extension. He's going to want to leave. Once Ericsson leaves, that is your main supply chain, creative midfielder gone. Then it's like, I just I just feel like, and I'm being unfortunate because I, I still feel that this team was good enough to at least get it. At least one trophy, whether an FA Cup, a League Cup, was gone. They were good enough to get one trophy. So if this Pochettino era ends with you never got a trophy, and with Ericsson leaving, yeah, would be a bit of a, a sad. Right. End. They, they need to prioritize maybe like the League Cup or an FA Cup or something like that. Just like one of the domestic cups. Just like you need something from this era. So do you think if Pochettino leaves? And Ericsson leaves. What do you think that means for Kane, for Son, for Ali? Ali's stock has kind of fallen in the past yeah. year or so. But, I, yeah, but, but, I, don't, I, don't, I don't think they'll necessarily go. They may go, but I don't think that. I think they may still stay, but I think it depends on the manager that comes in and which direction they go. I think Ericsson has been, and I think to some extent, all the viral, but Ericsson has been very vocal about saying, I'm like, now nah, look, bro, I mean, Real Madrid are interested. I'm out. <laughs> See yeah. ya. Kind of related our, our last question, um, because I think Sun was ruled off side by less than a less than a an inch or something like that. A pubic um, <laughs> Thoughts on VAR and goals being chopped off for players being millimeters offside, whereas blatant penalty decisions are ignored from that uncle of yours. Great question. I hope so someone asked this question. So, so so during the Chelsea goal that was just allowed, I was having this discussion with um my colleague in the office. Hmm. Remember why the offside rule was invented in the first place. Because the whole point of football is it's difficult to score. We want to make it as hard as possible for attackers to score. That is the heart and core of football as a game is, is the difficulty of putting the ball in the net. So we wanted to make sure that the attackers don't have that unfair advantage. They don't have crazy goals. 
originally, I believe at a point, what it was was if you could see space between the attacker and the last defender, it was offside. Then they changed it and tweaked it and tweaked it. Now, my thing is this. What possible advantage could you have as an attacker if your shoulder is ahead of the last defender? What advantage could that be? Or a, a little bit of your arm is just ahead of you. How is that an advantage? An advantage is if your entire body is ahead of the last man and there's even space between them, that's an advantage. You are clearly way beyond the, the final man. But if you're pretty much level, but just a part of your body is ahead, how much of an advantage are you truly getting? That is why when you, you view the stuff back and you're like, okay, yes, technically it is offside, but we have to now think that, hey, wait a minute. What was the point in us creating offside in the first place? Was it to be like any part of you that's ahead is offside? No, it was like, let's make sure that attackers don't have a crazy unfair advantage, which I believe is if a, a dude is literally, his whole body is fully ahead of the last defender, bro, you're offside. Mm. because that is a crazy advantage to have as, as, as an attacker and that's just where I stand on it it's the, again and I always go back to this it's the letter of the law versus the spirit of the law the spirit of the law is again like we want to prevent goal hanging and, and things of the sort but if you take that and you give people technology where they can go down to the millimeter nanometer and they can break it down with blue and red lines and if the blue line is ahead of the red line or whatever however it works then it's offside. The interesting thing about off offsides in relation to VAR is it's an objective fact that Mason Mount was offside or Sun was offside. Like, mm. yeah, if you break it down as far as you can to like mathematical science, and this is one of the interesting things about VAR mm. is that this is something that we can get 100% right every time. Until you look at it a bit deeper and you think, I was reading something about like, there's like a there's basically there's a margin of error with the cameras of when the ball is played and how fast the players are moving. You can't get it exactly correct every time. Mm. If you're gonna judge things all the way down to the millimeter, there needs to be a level or a measure of consistency in like when when is the ball kicked? Um, when does it leave the foot? When which frame are we using to judge the offside, et cetera, et cetera. I don't know if those standards are in place, and if they aren't, then all of these rulings kind of they're in that kind of gray area of, yeah, they might be right, but at the same time, if you tick it back like one frame, Sun might be on onside, and nobody would complain about with that frame being picked. But if you go two ahead and he's offside again, nobody's going to complain about that frame being picked. So that's the difficulty of VAR. But again, I, we've talked about this before, so go back and and check that out. But we got an extra to record. So this has been Talking Tactics Podcast. Again, we thank you guys for listening. Um, remember to follow us on social media, on Twitter, at Talking Tactics. If you're listening on Spotify, remember to give us a follow. Apple Podcasts, subscribe. It's free. Remember to give us a five-star review, and we will read it on the show. Shout out to the five reviews um, from this week. What did, what did I say? Four stars? No, 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 no. But I just, I'm just reiterating the point. Ah, 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 ah. <laughs> I was like, I thought I said five stars. I thought I said five stars. Yeah. Um. Yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at Daniel to look half hope. Where can people get you? Um, at half hope hot on Twitter, at the half hope on Instagram, and halfhopefootballhot.com is the official website. Cool. So, talking text podcast. Sometimes funny, sometimes serious. Always foot 
Bala. And we'll see you next week. Peace. Peace. Sports Social Podcast Network.